Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, September 18, 2023, and t- today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in the chapter, A Vision for You, page 154, the third paragraph, which starts with, of course he couldn't drink, ending with, music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Chris W., 12 traditions, Anita L., reading the text are Chris G. and Craig F., and our backup is Kathy S. The newcomer greeter is Colleen M., and the host of the second hour is Tamara C. The reference numbers for Sunday, September 17th, 2023, special edition, is 20,651. That's 20651. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Chris W. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Chris W., Chris with a K, Tennessee, um, recovered compulsive overeater. And here's a step. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, direct, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. And continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to, out, to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you so much, Chris. Okay, I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. 
the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Have a beautiful day, everyone, and I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 154, the third paragraph. Of course, he couldn't drink. Through one paragraph ending with still floated from the bar. And I will ask Chris G. to begin reading. Thank you, Katie. And thank you, everybody, for being here today. Uh, uh, so, we'll, so, of course, you couldn't drink. But why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now, perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. 
Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. Well, um, this is Chris G. from Tennessee. I didn't introduce myself. Uh, and and this this uh, uh, page uh, 154 uh, in a vision for you is very visual. You can just almost see the whole thing and and put myself in Bill's shoes. And um, uh, so he's he's asked himself a couple of questions. You know, can he do this? Can he do that? Well, maybe this, or maybe that. And and so he's you know like. Not sure exactly. You just don't know. It could go either way. It could go either way, and that's what it's like. He's he's dealing with the the reasoning, the 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 uh, the the inability to to um, uh, uh, predict which way it's going to go is is really uh, telling. And and what is this? What is this? The alternatives. Well, the the music and the gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. Now he spent a lot more time in bars than he has in churches, and so I, I would think that that would be more comfortable. But it's still not comfortable because he's afraid. He has these fears that um, that he would drink again, and it looks like it it would be really easy for that to happen. And um, so. Um, uh, you, you just sometimes you think, well, how did how did he how did he get to where he got to? And and you just say, well, by the grace of God, because thank thank God, because it could have gone either way. And and with that, I'm going to uh, listen to what other people have to say. Thank you, Chris. Okay, we will now open the floor for um, anyone who has not shared since, um, since before last Thursday or Friday, and um, who would like to share on this paragraph on page 154, the third paragraph. Okay, go ahead. Christina J. Rachel, Rachel K. Kelly K. Rachel K. I got you, Rachel and Kelly. Melissa C. Wanda R. Did you get Christina J? I got you, Christina. You were first. Um, Wanda R. Lisa, is that Lisa G? Wanda R. I got you. you, It's Lisa C. Okay, Lisa C. Sorry. Okay, this is who I have, and I think I missed one person, possibly. Um, Christina J., Rachel K., Kelly F., Loretta H., Craig F., Lisa C., and Wanda R. Was there someone else who said their name that I didn't get? Melissa C. Oh, Melissa. Yes, I did hear you, Melissa. One person, other said this. Okay. Okay, let's go with that. That's a nice list. Christina J., Rachel K., Kelly S., Loretta H., Craig F., Lisa C., Wanda R., and Melissa C. Go ahead, please, Christina. 
Good morning, everyone. Christina J. in North Carolina here recovering. Um, <clears throat> I am. This paragraph horrifies me. <laughs> I've been in this place so many times, and it brought me back to a time that I was standing on an elevator in a store called Nordstrom's in Southern California, and I was on a diet. And I was I would do shopping as my second addiction when I wasn't in the program. As my second addiction when I was on a diet because I was going to get skinny and I was going to go out and buy all these skinny clothes that I was going to eventually fit into. And I was on this elevator going down, and I felt a wave of excruciatingly loneliness come over me, just lonely, lonely. And I, I thought of those cookies, the the cookies in the store that was down the road from where I was standing, and <clears throat> famous cookies. I've heard what they were called, and I thought I can't have one. I'm on this diet. I can't have one. And it was horrifying. You know, in the early days of abstinence, when you're really working to get it, it's it's really a struggle. And um, that's why for years I could never get it because I would go into the feelings and they just knock me over. I never found neutrality on a diet. I may have for a short time, but, you know, there was a lot of foods that triggered me. I didn't know about red light foods. And I would go and have a, uh, you know, the sugar-free yogurt, and I'd have all these foods that would trigger the allergy. So <clears throat> standing between uh, the bar and going to be of service and in early abstinence, I, you know, there has to be a step one there. There has to be, I, and it's what he's doing. I am powerless. There is no door. There is no uh, plan B. There is no door two. There's one door. I can't have that cookie, no matter how I feel. And if I have neutrality, and he had, because otherwise he'd have gone into the bar. Without neutrality, I go right to the bar. And that's why in the early days of abstinence, for me, I had to just really tread carefully, make calls, make it through those cravings, take care of myself, as many have said on the line, that hospital period, that hospitalization period, where we just do everything we can to get to that point where the food is no longer calling, and then work this program like our backsides are on fire, to get that spiritual awakening, to get that connection so we can make it through life, make it through those times when it's hard. He just went through a really hard time in the previous paragraph and go and be of service, get out of ourselves, out of the self-pity of I can't use, I can't eat that cookie. Oh, I'm so sad and lonely. Yes, life is that way, you know. So today I'm going through uh, a hellacious time with my mother. I don't know what's going to happen today. It's another turning point. And I am neutral. And I can't be of service to her if I'm not neutral and going to God, going to God and surrendering. God. I don't know what to do. God help me. And that's it. I don't stay in the thought, feelings that I'm helpless and all this, you know. And so for me, this reminds me of the horror of the early days when I didn't have recovery, didn't have abstinence, didn't have neutrality. And I always went to the cookie. But we see here he's he's got it now. And God is guiding him to what has brought us to this day here Time, with all of us, with all of us tasting this recovery and a chance to live a life free of this effing disease. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Christina. Okay. Rachel K. You're up followed by Kelly S. Hi, this is Rachel K. Compulsive overeater um, in Indiana. Thank you so much. And this paragraph, um, yeah, it is scary and sort of horrifying, but um, but the ending is, is good. So so wait till the end. I, 
Um, but it also, it reminds me of how cunning, baffling, and powerful this disease is. This disease for me, it does not announce itself with like big, like a big reflective vest and like big, you know, flares and say, hey, I'm your disease, I'm coming, I'm a binge, um, you know, or whether it's the food or whether it's my character defects, it sneaks in. You know, just sit at the bar, have a ginger ale. Or, you know, oh, come on, three drinks, no more, you'll be fine. Um, so look how sneaky those diseases. You know, it's sneaky. Just sit and have a glass of ginger ale and meet some friends. You know, when we know that, you know, this is a wolf in sheep's clothing, that it's like, hey, I'm going to get you in the bar, once he's in the bar, he's going to drink, and then he's going to, you know, be pounding his head on the table. Also, but the, the good news is, first of all, you know, he shivered. So that's, you know, Billy's recovered. So he records a hot flame. It doesn't say, you know, if we smell food, we'll record. It says it's tempted. So, yes, yeah, sometimes we'll be tempted, but we recoil from it. So he recoiled, and he's like, no, I can't do that. Um, and, and he goes, and he carries a message, and he, and he helps somebody else. And so, you know, the good news is, yes, the disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, but God is far more cunning, far more baffling, far more powerful. I mean, God has some, for me, you know, my God has tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, you know, you think you're cunning, baffling, and powerful? Well, watch this. You know, hold my beer. I am going to, you know, I, I have the power to take, you know, my child, me, or any of you and your, you know, with your higher power and, and rest my child from the grip of this coming back from powerful disease. God is so much more powerful, has so, so much more power if we do these steps and if, you know, we, we open ourselves to the power of God. That's the thing. If the power is there, the power never shrinks. You know, the, the cunningness, the bafflingness, it, it, it never goes away, but I have to put myself in a position where I can receive the power of God, you know, the cunningness of God. Um, because, you know, God can, God can get in there, but I have, to, I have to let him in. I've heard somebody say that God is a gentleman. You know, he never comes in unless we... You know, we not unless we let him in. I totally messed up that metaphor, but anyway. Um, so thanks for calling on me. Everybody have a good Monday, and I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay. Okay, Kelly S., you're up, followed by Loretta H. Good morning, everybody. Kelly S., uh, Recovered Compulsive Eater on Bulimic in Pulse, Oklahoma. Hey, thanks for your service. Uh, thanks for that share, Rachel. I'm still laughing. Hold my beer. Okay. Um, I love this paragraph because this was this was me. Um, so you know he's talking about, um, and this is me in recovery, right? After all, had I not been sober for six months, had I not been abstinent for almost five years, right? I mean, a bottle of ginger ale before bore him. You know, like maybe I could have a drink or so. Maybe I don't have to go to so many meetings. Maybe I don't have to make so many calls. Maybe I don't have to spend so much time with God. I mean, I've been abstinent for this long, right? I've been fine. I'm okay. You know, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, maybe I can have a little extra abstinent food, right? Um, and that's the story that my disease talks to me in my own uh, 
brain, right? And it's scary because it convinces me of that. And fear did does grip me. And I, I love that uh, I was going to bring up this whole thing. This to me is the 10th step promises. I love Bill's writing because, you know, he says with a shiver. And, you know, and when it talks about the 10th step promises, when tempted, you know, and, you know, it, there's a reason that they put this in the book because we're going to be tempted. I love that he says in, in that tense that promises when tempted we recoil as from a hot flame. Now he's saying with a shiver, right? I mean, it's kind of the same thing with a shiver, right? And he turns away because now he's he's living in these promises, the tense that promises, which are so amazing because now here's the thing. I may still have thoughts of food, but if I'm in a recovered state, I'm going to know today what to do. You know, he turns, he walks down the lobby lobby to the directory. He knows to, to turn and go and reach out to somebody else because in Bill's story, we found out that he he found out when all else fails, work with another compulsive eater, right? And I love that whole um, thing about the hot flame because here's the thing. I, I, I think to myself when I tell people I talk to in his thing, you know, in Bill's story, he talks about, you know, um, he would continue to put his hand in the hot flame. It won't burn me this time. Watch, right? And he keeps putting his hand in there. But the 10 step promises now, you know, you see the flame, you're tempted to put your hand in the flame. This time you're like, okay, you're not going to burn me this time, mother effer, right? So now <laughs> you may want to put your hand in there. You turn with a shiver and I go and I know what to do today because I'm living in the promises. So I no longer have to listen to that insane thinking of, you know, I've been absent this long. All we have is a daily reprieve, a daily reprieve contingent on what? The maintenance, maintenance of my spiritual condition. Every day is a new day that I have to connect with God, connect with my fellows, and I connect to God through you guys. And that's the thing I have to remember. It doesn't say more time in prayer and meditation. It doesn't say more calls, more meetings, intensive work with others. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, Loretta H., you're up, followed by Craig F. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all along with my precious God, who is saving my life today. Loretta H. recovered in North Carolina. For me, this is about the fortification of helping others. You know, that's kind of my citadel. I heard somebody use the word citadel the other day, and that's kind of how I feel about this program. It's the armor. And um, I had an incident two and a half years ago where I thought I was going to be paralyzed, and I'm duly addicted. And I haven't used either one of my addictions. Today it'll be 45 for one and 22 for the other. But I was in dire straits. I was discouraged. I thought I wasn't ever going to be able to walk again, and I used to be a marathon runner. And the whole, I was just totally out of my mind. And somebody called me to ask me to sponsor her, and I thought I'm not even capable of doing that right now. I am so on the pity pot. And so I said, but let me Let's talk and let me listen to your story because I don't know if I can help you. So this woman calls me up, and I don't remember who she is, but she thoroughly saved my life. And she said, hi, um, and she said, I'm into the food badly, badly. She said, but what I did was before I even got into the food, I got into my other addiction that she had been 
sober from for 35 years. So now she's in both addictions, and that is what stopped me because I had not had my other addiction for, at that time it was 42 years, but because I was so discouraged, and it's, it doesn't matter how long you've been sober, how long I've been abstinent, it will come and bite me if I don't stay spiritually fit. And in this program, working this step and working with others to my best ability at all times, because that's my immunity. I know that, in fact, yesterday I asked the question, because I do still covet the idea of anorexia. And I asked how this woman stops as soon as she gets that idea into her head. And it's going and helping others. And it has worked for me now for, like I said, 23 years and 45 in my other one. So I um, just, yeah, and I need to work the steps because I now I work the steps in both programs like my hair is on fire and I need to be spiritually fit. So um, today uh, I go to the telephone directory or I pick up that telephone and with that I pass. Thank you, Loretta, Loretta H. And Craig F., you're up, followed by Lisa C. Thank you. This is Craig F. recovered in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, I read this paragraph, of course, about Bill, and he's really in the, uh, in the debate in his mind in, in this, you know, the, insanity that precedes the first drink in some ways. And, you know, I, I think that what sometimes I think that the, that the, uh, with the spiritual experience, he, and this is six months, seven months after he'd had his white light experience, what, what that does, what that really gives us is the pause, you know, it, it doesn't guarantee us that we're not going to think about drinking. It doesn't really guarantee us that we're not going to make or eating. It doesn't guarantee us that we're not going to make that decision to to eat when we're in uh, a bad way. And he was in a bad way, a bad emotional state. What it does is it gives us a pause. It, it, it allows us to stop for a minute and consider both sides. You know, yeah, he, he could drink. Um, maybe he could handle a couple. Uh, you know, but in a while he's going to think about all the other things, the other reasons not to drink in the next paragraph. And, you know, that that pause sometimes is, is, is all we get, you know. It, it, it is the blessing, the pause. And in that pause, he decides not altruistically, you know, I always hear people say this is an altruistic pro- program, and I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that I, I don't believe most of us are capable of altruism. That's giving without expectation of any receipt. What he what he made is a decision of enlightened self interest. You know, the enlightened self interest is that if I have somebody to work with, if I can go work with somebody, then maybe I won't drink. You know, that's his enlightened self interest, and 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 that's what comes out of his pause, and that's what has to come out of my pause, you know. I, I'm not going to ever maybe not be tempted. 
TV. Something's going to look good when I'm, uh, you know, with friends or family. But it's the uh, it's the pause that we get, and it's what I do with that pause, you know. And, and do I reach out to somebody? Do I help somebody? Do I pray? It's what I do with the pause that makes the difference whether I'm going to continue on, whether I'm going to continue to add time between me and that last compulsive bite. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Okay, Lisa C., you're up, followed by Wanda R. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Lisa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, Thank you, God, for all these amazing shares um, and for this incredible paragraph. I have insidious insanity, you know, circled in my uh, big book. It's like um, I am just so incapable of making decisions. I It's something I struggle with. It's like where my disease continues to live. And um, I, you know, um, I, I know it's kind of, it, it's like a catchphrase that we find on t-shirts and coffee mugs and things, you know, not today, Satan, but that's part of what I think of when I, when I reread this paragraph is just that I, you know, um, I am faced with these decisions, these temptations, um, you know, God, God never promised me that there wouldn't be trials. God didn't say, you know, um, you know, you, you're going to get recovered and life, life is going to be easy now. Um, so I am faced with these moments just all the time and, and really being able to zoom out and like the previous um, speaker shared, uh, you know, uh, pause, but also like zoom out and like see the whole scene and like the lead uh, speaker shared, um, you know, that it, this is very visual and right. I really can picture it. And I see myself in these situations all the time. Um, and, and being recovered, like sometimes it's not, I'm not tempted by food, but I'm tempted by like, uh, self-pity. I'm, I'm like tempted by, um, indecision, you know, in, in the shampoo. I always use that example because like, gosh, like I, I don't understand why I can't, you know, make decisions easily. Um, but I, I do have to draw God into it, and I have to work this program really hard. And that's lately what I've been um, surrendering about is, like, I've got to do a lot of 10 steps to stay well. Um, and I just, you know, continuously, the disease, my brain, Satan, whatever we want to call it, the insidious insanity, tells me that, um, you know, I'm okay. Oh, that's not a big deal. Um, but that is the disease talking. Um, you know, the, the, the tiniest things are a big deal in my um unwell mind um and to get well i have to i have to work hard um and so you know just just to remember insidious is a word that you know something that's seemingly harmless but is full of deception um and and it is absolutely like you know the connotation of this word is negative through and through there's nothing good coming out of it so um when i think of how insidious my disease is it is sneaky um it is cunning um and uh, I, I have to keep turning to God. I have to see myself in this hotel lobby with the angel and the devil on my shoulder, and I've got to go to the angel, um, and I've got to go to God. I've got to go to fellows, um, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you, God. Thank you, everyone on this line um, for all the things you share. It changes my life every moment. I pass. Thank you, Lisa C. Okay, um, Wanda R., you're up, followed by Melissa C., and then we'll open it up for more shares. So just hold on one Hello. second, um, Wanda. Yeah, Hello? I just want to remind. 
I just want to remind everyone where we are. We're on the third paragraph on page 154. Okay, go ahead, Wanda. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, I hope everybody has a beautiful day. I'm here in Illinois. And um, pause. I, I love that because transferring addictions, I think, is my forte. And I have a character defect of overambition. And I just got out of the hospital because my character defect took over and my heart got affected. So I no longer am attracted too much to food, but I uh, I guess the energy of the addiction that's in my mind pushes me into doing too much. And my husband is very... Uh, uh, you know, steady, and I have to make sure I slow down. And uh, I am grateful that I have a food plan, and I am grateful that I have a sponsor, and I am grateful that I have this meeting, and it's turning out to be probably a turning point, uh, you know, which is an inner group that I help name. But uh, I am just so grateful, uh, you know, that this meeting is a turning point, uh, and it's very, very sobering. And uh, I was feeling sorry for myself uh, for another reason I'm not going to talk about. But, uh, you know, um, it's an, it's addictions, you know. And, uh, you know, the food was major for 14 years. And... Um, you know, I I just, uh, you know, I was in the Mayflower Hotel with my first husband and saw the phone booth. And, uh, you know, it was very, very uh, um, nice. We, we read how it works, a group of people. You know, we just had a meeting in the Mayflower Hotel. And, uh, you know, Akron is very nice. I hope everybody can get there next June uh, for the celebration. But uh, I don't know how many years it is. But uh, but I'm just grateful, and I can no longer transfer addictions. I really have to uh, stop and, uh, you know, do uh, almost as little as I can do because that's going to be too much anyway. So, uh you know, um, anyway, I'm just so grateful I'm here. You guys are so fantastic. I'm so, so glad, you know, I can hear you. And I'm abstinent uh, and uh, been abstinent since 85. And, you know, I did want to die abstinent, but now I'll have to include abstinence from uh, overambition. So, uh Thank you, and have a great day, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Wanda. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, this paragraph to me, it's 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 that pivoted paragraph. It's the turn, um, like people were saying. And I think, like, you know, and I read this, um, you know, what really preceded this for him was um, self-pity, you know, lots of thoughts about himself, getting, 
you know, the paragraph before when he talks about he's going to be lonely unless he, you know, can get somebody, get a friend, get somebody who's going to be alone. And and I know, like, you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking, um, you know, about getting companionship, you know, when I'm on a quest to feel better, I'm in trouble, you know, because my solution is not to feel better. It's to be better. It's to do better. It's not, you know, I can't. One of the things that I learned, you know, early on from my sponsors and from other people was this is not a feel-good program. This is not, although we, we know that we get we get to feel good, but that can no longer be my guiding principles. Like my my life cannot be built anymore on, on getting me to feel good because um, feeling good got me this way, you know. It's about doing good, and I, I think, you know, what I love here is that um, there is an internal change of heart that happened for Bill. Um, and I have to say that it, it happened for me, that um, that inside my heart there resides this pocket where, yes, I can be extraordinarily selfish and self-centered. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. But there's something else that exists in there because I've had a deep and effective spiritual experience. And and what that means to me is that there is something in my heart that can easily get reignited to think about other people. And that is always what saves me. I have had um, experiences where, I, yeah, of course I was tempted. You know, I, I recall a time when I was, um, you know, I, I suddenly had this, it, it felt like a pornographic fantasy about an ice cream sandwich. Like I could see it being undressed, you know, wrapper coming off. And and it scared the crap out of me. Um, and I know for myself the solution is not to sit and think some more about myself and my problem that preceded it. And it certainly wasn't to put myself in an ice cream stand, you know, just, you know, drinking ice cold water while other people. It was to turn and get busy helping other people. And the beautiful thing is, is that that's the solution. It's a one-size-fits-all solution for all of my problems, whether it's loneliness, anger, or anything. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Perfect timing. Thank you. Okay, so now we will open up the floor for more people to share on the third paragraph on page 154. Who would like to share? Who hasn't shared in the last couple of days? Of course, he couldn't drink at the beginning of that paragraph. Anita L. Veronica Anita C. L. Veronica C. Nancy R. Nancy R. Pete B. Pete B. Okay. Um, Susan L. Okay, well, let's stop there. Um, that should be right. We might have time for one more if one, wants, one more person wants to jump in. Um, but let's just stop here with Anita L., Veronica C., Nancy R., Pete B., and Susan L. Go ahead, Anita L. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Anita L. from Philadelphia area. Um, so this is one word that I don't think anybody mentioned so far, and that is control. 
And that came to my mind when he said, uh, you know, haven't I been sober for six months now? Or haven't I abstained for quite a while now? Perhaps I could handle, so here's my insanity, my my uh, crazy thinking. Well, maybe I could have uh, an extra whatever. I've, like someone shared before, abstinent food. Uh-uh. And then he said, you know, three drinks. Well, maybe that I could just have two bites, no more. Well, if I take that first bite, then I'm off to the races because I've acted, activated my allergy. So, um, I, you know, I just, I can't do that anymore. And thank God, neutrality is coming to be only because I'm practicing one day at a time being with my higher power and being of service to others, doing whatever I'm doing. Um, And another thing I wanted to say, uh, you know, of course he couldn't drink. So he knew that because he did have some sanity, some recovery. And here's his next word, but. And the therapist once told me the word but brings in the negative. Instead of saying but, say and. And is a positive. Um, You know, so why not test it? Why not go to a bakery? You know, my husband went, um, we were with family this past weekend, and we had to bring a dessert. That's what I asked. Can I bring a salad? Can I bring a vegetable? Or would you prefer dessert? Because I knew the hostess would want us to bring a dessert. And, of course, she said that. So I said to my husband, you're going to have to go get it because there's no way I could go and into a bakery and try and get something. And, uh, you know, I can't tempt myself. Um, I'm still new in my recovery, just like what Bill was, six months. That's nothing, really. So I'm grateful that today I can see the sanity and feel the neutrality. And yesterday was not such a positive day. It started out to be a great day. And then my husband reminded me of something that we have to do today. And I got right into self-pity. And I was in a miserable mood. Okay. And thank God I was saved by my higher power. Thank you. I passed. Okay, thank you, Anita L. Veronica C., you're up, followed by Nancy R. Good morning. Thank you for taking the meeting today. This is Veronica C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. And um, as I was reading uh, the paragraph and listening to, uh, well, actually the paragraph even before that, I was just recalling the inner machinations of my own disease and just remembering uh, all of the scheming and the intertwining of some of the um, the things that I would do just to like try to calm or to try to find an answer to the uncomfortability 
that I might have been feeling uh, when it came to being lonely or um, if I was excessively agitated about something or whatever it was that I wasn't really identifying as a feeling, but I was just trying to act on to solve it. And um, so I really get that paragraph really well. I understand it. I mean, it's like in my DNA, I feel. And um, I don't want to live there anymore. And that was one of the gifts that I really feel I really got from working the steps and from being in this program the past couple of years because um, I had never had food neutrality before. And when I got food neutrality, to me, that was a miracle because the understanding that I got about food neutrality was that, and I, because I would ask that question, what, what does that mean, food neutrality? I, couldn't get it. And I had been in OA for many, many years prior to this. But I, until Vision and uh, Scottsdale, I had never really um, found a sponsor or really worked the steps in the way that I was working it um, until that time. And then I understood food neutrality because I truly did not feel driven by the food anymore. Food became uh, something that I needed and something that I could choose and that I could plan for, but it no longer was something that I had to, I, I really was like, um, it wasn't a craving anymore. And so that to me was a gift. And um, the other thing is that the 10 steps uh, that I was doing and then I continued to do, uh, what a pain reliever. So these beautiful steps that I have learned have saved my life. And all that I can think of is that, you know, today I'm... Time, please. And, you know, with that I pass, and I'm very grateful for today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Veronica. Okay, Nancy R., you're up, followed by Pete B., Good morning, NCR Recovered Compulsive Overeater from uh, Northwest Illinois. Uh, I am so grateful for this program, and that's what I hear in Bill's uh, words this morning, that um, when tempted with this crazy twist of his mind, he was able to go and have the ability, not through his own power, but through his higher power, to turn and um, go make the phone call instead. And I have been blessed with that, um, with that ability, not of my own power, but of my higher power, and of working these steps. And Otherwise, I am in my head fantasizing and listening to the lure of the gay crowd and um, the in- invitations of, oh, come on, you can just have one, or the look of something, or the memory of some twisted 
memory, memory of how wonderful it was. And it wasn't wonderful. Um, stuffing food in my mouth. Um, being a part of uh, a party and engaging in eating my addictive foods. And then leaving and needing more and more and more. It wasn't fun. Um, trying to find clothes to wear and um, not finding them and leaving the store and going to the food court to binge. I mean, the insanity still baffles me um, that, that that's the answer my head has. Oh, you're so fat, nothing looks good on you and nothing fits, but let's go stuff some more food in my mouth. And, uh, and that I would do that, the hopelessness, and that I don't live in that today is miraculous. And it's because of working these steps like they're outlined in the big book. I have never had recovery like I have today. And I've been in program for over 25 years. And I've had relief and I've had abstinence. And, um, you know, going and, and helping others um, which is what we read is about, you know, serving others who are still suffering, carrying the message. Um, that's one of the things that I gratefully do today, um, no matter what my crazy, twisted mind tells me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy R. Pete B., you're up, followed by Susan L. Uh, thanks, my lady. My name is uh, Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, um, it's every single day, I, I think that they did a study, or there is a study that they, and we're capable of millions and millions of thoughts, millions of thoughts. And, uh, you know, in, in our meeting, every single day, we read, we read the steps. And what this is telling, what this is telling me that, the, the, as a result of working the steps, Bill, in this instance, has been restored to sanity, came to believe the power greater than ourselves will restore us to sanity. And while, yes, you know, the thought, the idea this time it might be different, wow, it looks good in there, what, what has occurred is sanity has been restored as a result of being entirely abstinent the fact that Pete, we can't hear you. Just be treating the problem with the problem, right? And you know, we we talk a lot about you know what you know the the results of step 10 and refer to them as the promises of step 10 they're the results that is what occurs as a result of one abstaining 100% from the substances and behaviors and ingredients that cause the phenomena of craving and having a spiritual experience as a result of working these steps of clearing away the wreckage of our past Acknowledging and embracing the wreckage of our present to a certain degree, understanding exactly who and what we are, right? And the, 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 the miracle here is this, is that the, the, 
the conclusion is I got to get out of me. I got to get out of me because I'm the problem. The problem resides in my mind. And if I'm focusing on me, the problem's only going to get bigger. But if I'm focusing on you, if I'm out of if I'm out of myself, well, there is the solution. God removes the merciless obsession to compulsively hurt ourselves, impulsively hurt ourselves for a reason, because we have work to do. And our work is to carry this message, not carry this mess, carry this message of recovery to the next sick and suffering. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Pete. Okay, now our final share will be Susan L. Good morning, everybody. This is Susan L., a compulsive overrooted living and recovering in South Florida. I've, I come to this meeting often and very much often don't open my mouth, and um, I felt compelled to do that today. I think one of the reasons that I felt compelled is because, not, not, I don't think I know, it's because I want to keep what I have today. Um, I live in food neutrality which I never thought, like so many others before me, that I could ever say that, truly mean that, and truly live that. Food neutrality for me shows up in a lot of different ways. But the simplest way for me to explain it is like in the paragraph um, that we've been reading this morning. For for me today, I can walk into a um, Dunkin' Donuts and order a black coffee and walk out. I never thought in my life that I could do that. Ever. I never did that before this program. I never did that before I was placed in a position of neutrality. I might have had the best intentions on walking into Dunkin' Donuts and getting a black coffee, but somehow I walked out with a bag. And for over the past three years now, I haven't done that. And I am so grateful for that, that I had to share that, that I'm in a normal-sized body. That's big for me um, because I wasn't for so many years. I don't live a shame-based life today. Most of my life, I lived a shame-based life um, when I wasn't in a position of food neutrality. This was a food weekend for me. As far as the holidays for me, it was a food weekend. When people didn't finish the foods that I don't eat, I took my arm and I swiped them all into the garbage. That is food neutrality for me. I, it didn't trigger anything. I didn't wait for people to leave like I used to so I could shove the food in my mouth because I am a compulsive overeater. But no matter what size body I am in, and today it's a thin body, but it wasn't for a long time, the disease lies dormant and it just waits for me to have that thought. Maybe I could have a ginger ale. Maybe I could have a piece of something. Maybe I can have a bite of something. And by God's grace, and it is only God, because I don't know what else it is, because my mindset is to be eating, has completely changed my mindset. I feel like I'm on, like I've been released from prison and I'm on parole. And one of the things that I have to do to remain on parole, there's lots of things, but one of the things I have to do is press style one, even when I don't want to, to let you know that I belong here. I love it here. I plan to stay here. I plan to live in neutrality a day at a time with God's help and a lot of other people, working with people. If I don't share who I am and give of myself, I am doomed to repeat my past. I know that. I've learned that. Um, so thank you for letting me be here. 
Thank you so much, Susan. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, September 18th, 7 a.m. meeting is 20,652. That's 20652. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. All right. Still Craig F. Covered in Broken Arrow. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Asking in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely uh, uh, meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.